Hi everyone, this is Charlie, and you're listening to The Meaning Complex. In today's episode, I'm talking with my friend Roland about polyamory, a type of ethical non-monogamy. It's a really interesting conversation, and although I know that I'm monogamous, I know a lot of people who have felt a lack of freedom in traditional relationships. As we talk about in this podcast, what matters is treating people in our lives with trust, respect, and kindness. Polyamory is one of the kinds of ethical non-monogamy. After that, it's really hard to put a really single main definition on what polyamory is because a lot of people have different different definitions. And so I tend for myself to not use this word except in order to put a, an easily understandable label category for people to, to get. But basically, it means that I understand and I accept having multiple partners and the possibility of having multiple partners uh, as a basis of my relationships. Um, Interesting. Right. But uh, there's plenty of different forms of polyamorous and some people would be like uh, polyfidelity, which means that they, they will have, they will have multiple partners and be, be faithful, meaning having them as exclusive sexual partners, uh, no matter the number of them, maybe it's three or four or whatever. Uh, and, and they would be exclusive with all of them, uh, which is the most common, uh, I think, form of polyamory uh, definition by people that are not inside the community. But, but it, the, the reality is a bit more complex than that. Yeah, interesting, because I'm sure a lot of people have very different views of what polyamory is from the outside, right? Like, right, yeah. I'm not polyamorous, but it seems like it would be very complicated. Is that something that, that I'm sure it's like a discussion that comes up in polyamorous people when, they're, when they are with someone who's polyamorous, that that kind of conversation right. comes up? Like, how, how do you... Um, yeah, there's a lot of jokes. Yeah, how do you avoid... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how do you have a how do you have a conversation about that kind of thing? Like, that's a difficult thing to have yeah. a conversation about because I'm sure like feelings get involved, and then people have maybe some difficulty with jealousy or with looking at other partners as maybe more important or less important. I don't know how that really works. So R- I don't right. know how that works in okay. other couplings. But so, what would that be like for you? So you, you you said you said a few things. Um, you said first that it was complicated, and I, I would say I would uh, separate here two notions, which is complexity and complication. And and so complexity okay. means there is a lot of details, there's a lot of nuance to it. It doesn't have to be complicated, by, uh, meaning that it it creates problems, but it is indeed very complex. Uh, and as long as you get out of of the the, the monogamous way of of, uh, of of relationship, which is pretty complex on its own, um, th- then right, you have, but it's just a complex system lot... that we all understand. Right. Because well, yeah, yeah. I guess most people. Yes, yeah. no. Like a lot of people have different ideas of what monogamy is, but but uh, but yeah, it, it is a little bit more complex, meaning that there is more parts, moving parts inside. Uh, different forms of ethical non-monogamy than, than, uh, than, uh, than uh, monogamy. And so in, in general, in the community, the, the, big, the big term that, that will encompass all those different forms of being uh, polyamorous would be, would be ethical non-monogamy and not polyamory okay. per se. Interesting. Okay. So um, do you have like some kind of a rules system or like a, a way of thinking about this that can make it so that you don't have to or that you can introduce new partners so that people don't have those kind of emotional reactions 
Right. Um, so, so that links to the thing you said earlier about jealousy and, and, and your partners and feelings getting involved. And, and yeah, and I think that's probably yeah. what most people think about when they think about polyamorous right. relationships or they look at other people's polyamorous relationships and they think, oh, that to me, like that sounds like something that would be difficult because I would get jealous. Uh, that's a complex question. So, so I, I will need time to unload mm. a little bit all the, all the threads of, okay. of thoughts in there. But um, the question is, do I have some rules in order to introduce new partners? Uh, and so that, that leads to, uh, do I have some rules or do we have some rules or, uh, or things like that? And how defined are the rules? And then what is a partner? And all those things are very, flu- uh, like very fluid inside, inside, uh, ethical non-monogamy because what you call a partner may be, I don't know, someone wh- uh, with whom you have sex. That is also your friend. That is also a partner to build something together that may be, uh your perspective i don't know uh i think you're straight so wife of your kids yeah are are um you know things like that so so th- that's a lot of different roles that you would sum up as being a partner but right. those roles can be decoupled and and they are very often decoupled inside polyamory uh and ethical non-monogamy and so uh, they can be decoupled. And so some of my partners may be mostly, I don't know, like uh, work partner and and friends and sexual partners. And then I would have another partner with with whom, uh, which is called a nesting partner, with whom I, w- I, would, I would live and maybe maybe have a family, in like a biological family and creating uh, offsprings. Uh, mm. And that would be two different forms of partnerships, both very important and and with different roles inside them so so it's it's kind of hard to dis- to describe in a single word what is a partner here but then do i have right. rules and and this is either me as a person or us as a community and there's once again a lot of nuances in there but uh for myself uh, it's mostly about communication i will i will uh, i will try to find out with my partners uh, at the time uh, what they feel comfortable about and talk about those limits and those those boundaries and those emotional uh, emotional uh, facilities and difficulties and try to find middle grounds that we can all uh, deal with. The idea not being to avoid difficult uh, emotions, but more but more to handle them little by little uh, while keeping inside the, our own. Uh, buffers in order not to to have a breakdown if you'd like yeah i see so that to me that sounds like there's kind of a a period of time that it takes maybe for people to understand what their role or how they're i don't know it kind of sounds like that it, for some people it's separated by roles and i've heard this from from other polyamorous people too where they don't think of um uh, their relationships as kind of like how monogamous people might where it's this one person is going to fulfill my needs for like emotional security and like love and friendship and work and inspiration and all of these things, which to find one person who can do all of those things for you um, is, it seems very uncommon and unrealistic. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think, I think uh, even in the monogamous world uh, recently, there's been a lot of, of, talks and, and, and new philosophies and new understanding about the nature of relationships that lead us to, to, to 
decouple this idea that the other person is responsible for your happiness and and all your needs. And so th there's there's a strong push, especially in the in the um, uh, English literature, I would say that 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 um, that will say that you are responsible for your own happiness and you are responsible for your own growth and all the things like that. You are responsible for your own things. And once you are, uh, and, and whilst you become, but once you are uh, um, a full, <laughs> full grown ass uh, person, uh, then you can associate with somebody else, which is also hopefully a full grown ass person. And then, and then uh, enjoy each other's company by by helping each other but more like two people gravitating around each other more than than two halves of the same of the one same whole and i think polyamory is just a building forward on this on this understanding uh by by the fact that i am i am a person with my own needs and my own uh my own um weaknesses and and and, and difficulties and, and things like that and i right. own all of this and then i i associate with people from who I am without asking them to feel a need, but just because I'm lucky enough to find a beautiful person that, that I want to get close to. Right. It sounds like freedom is a really important value for polyamorous people. Um, that idea that you can be individual, but what then I think a lot of people maybe don't recognize that um, at some point, I think maybe in many people's lives, they look to be tied down as opposed to to maximize on their freedom, right? The idea of tying yourself down so that you can then um, focus on other parts of your life. So it's like, I've got this, you know, the relationship sorted, I've got a marriage, I've got kids, and then they can, fo they can focus on doing something that's really important to them with that security, knowing that they're, you know, they have a family, they have people who love them. Um, how is that? Is that a, a problem that is in some way solved by polyamory or is that well, not really connected? Um, well, I think it's a, it's a problem solved by any kind of relationship, that could be solved by any kind of relationship. But uh, that's funny because this is uh, kind of an idea that in our, uh, in our relationship with uh, Alice and, and Ben, uh, we refer as the the Schneider, the Schneider um, equation. And so it's a, it's a friend of mine that says that, says that um, he has different poles in his life, like professional pole, emotional pole, and then uh, maybe like uh, uh, concrete, like life uh, house and, and, and uh, material pole. And so he says that between those three things, he needs to find a kind of balance, right? So if it goes really well in the relationship side and the work goes okay, then he's stable enough to put some, some financial or, or, some some other kind of stress in, in different areas in of his life, and if he, the work right. works fine and he has a lot of money and stability, besides that, then he can work on his relationship. And so, uh, I think that can work exactly the same thing, uh, the same way with uh, with with polyamory or uh, ethical mon mon monogamy. It is just that you find some form of stability in there that will that will help you uh, for your other goals. So I don't think that's that's different uh, from ethical non monogamy from from uh, monogamy on this side, but there's one one big uh, difference though, uh, is the concept of uh, of single point of failure. Do you do you? Yeah, yeah, right. So so monogamy as a relationship pattern form has a single point of failure, which is 
like if you're only and single partner, the person that you're making your life with, uh, if that relationship doesn't work, then your whole st- emotional stability is compromised. And right. and uh, with with non uh, non monogamous ethical non monogamous relationship, uh, you you can have uh, a multiple point of stability uh, support system. Uh, since since those partnerships that we talked earlier are so different and varied, um, then then you might you might have a, a very stable I don't know uh, like friendship and cuddly and love relationship with one person and then a very stable sexual relationship with two or three other person and then and then maybe one very stable family side and since you're not putting all your hopes and all your all your stability into a single point of failure, into a single point of, of pressure, then ev- every one of your partner can can uh, live their life and have and have a, a comparatively diminished uh, weight on their shoulder, uh, all the while having way more support from the whole community of people who love you. Right. I mean, but it sounds like, in a sense, that that's also what friends do, right? Like, I have a, a group of friends, and when I had a very serious breakup a couple of years ago, a lot of my friends kind of rallied around me, and, and I, I was good because I had that emotional stability from exactly, having yeah. a support network. So yeah. how is polyamory different from just having friends? And is there a different... I mean, I'm sure every person's going to have their own definition of this. Yeah, yeah. But how is it different really from having like a friends with benefits kind of set up with okay. many people? All right. So how do you define friend? Um, that's a good question. So I guess a friend is someone who I connect with for conversation and to sort of enrich each other's lives. Right. So here you did, you did what, what I, what I call a, a positive definition, which is a friend okay. is something that it is and not something that it's not. And okay. as long as you're doing something that it is, that is an additional, uh, that just an additional role that anybody can have. And so I hope for you that your life partner, whether it is romantic or not, is also your friend by this definition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Right. And so as long as your definition of friend do not include exclusions, which is that a friend is someone with whom I do not have sex, okay. then, then your, all my partners are friends. And so, yes, in some ways, uh, th- these, these partners are friends to me because, because they are. <laughs> you know, just by this definition, they are. And so I don't think those uh, friendship roles are exclusive from a non-romantic role. It's just that on some okay. of those partners, I will add more roles than just what is traditionally understood as friend. Whether it is sex, whether it is family, whether it is building a life together, whether it is growing old, whether it is sharing finances, it doesn't really matter. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I wonder then, so how does the long-term polyamorous relationship work? Is it kind of in a way similar to what some people are calling like open relationships where they have like one main person who they're with and then they might have uh, relationships with other people or I guess it's up to everyone to define? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So so what 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 is really important for my definition of, of how I practice ethical non-monogamy is, is the the co-definition of our contract of engagement if you like so if Mm. i have a relationship with you i will have some very lengthy and very interesting and very emotional discussions about about how we are going to relate to one another and so 
and so so we will decide how we relate and what we can do what we want to do what we what we don't want what we what we don't feel comfortable with and so all these these um <laughs> all these um uh, negotiations uh, inter-negotiations will mm. will uh, will make and construct our future relationship yeah but i mean that sounds like something that um monogamous couples should probably be doing as well right like uh, there's some people who, I would, I, I, yeah yeah yes, i would hope idea. so yeah, um yeah. so then what happens when um so i think what a lot of people wonder about is what the difference is then between something like an open relationship but then also kind of what people might think of or might judge as promiscuity in comparison, right? right. That um, maybe some people um, who are polyamorous are more interested or like more sexual. And so for them, it's a Im- important part of their relationship that they try out things with new people. Right. So, um, and I don't mean to make any judgment, but I know that, that I think a lot of people who have heard about polyamory and, and have an instinctive reaction to it uh-huh. might think of it as that way. Like it's a it's a rejection of cultural norms and it's maybe for promiscuous people. And how would you respond to those kind of claims? All right. uh, I have so many things to say about that. But yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but uh let, let let's start with a with a few a few uh, simple definitions. Um so I, I tried to separate first uh, ethical non-monogamy and polyamory, and and you are just uh, right now introducing open relationship concept. And so yes. those are concepts that have been defined in different periods. And so those are evolving concepts that are defined in the time where they are coined. So sometimes they change, sometimes they shift. But but um, open relationship usually refers. Uh, not exclusively, but usually refers to a monogamous couple that have sex with other partners. And generally speaking, polyamory uh, is is differentiated from from open relationship by the fact that those uh, it's it's a, a multiple people that will have not only sexual relationship but also emotional relationship with different people. And so, mm, so that's okay. that's a big difference, uh, I think, between open relationships and and uh, uh, polyamory. So, uh, so some polyamorous or ethical non-monogamous relationships are are open relationships because you have sex with multiple partners, uh, but not all um, open relationships are polyamorous because most of them do not have emotional connection. Uh, to I see, yeah. So there's this idea of exclusivity that can be attached to different parts of the relationship. So for example, a monogamous couple in the traditional uh, Christian Judeo Christian marriage would, would say that it is one man with one woman and everything is uh, exclusive to each other, except friendship and different forms of, of uh, let's say growth partnerships. So you will have an emotional uh uh, romantic romantic exclus- exclusivity you can only be in love with one person you will have uh-huh. uh, a sexual uh, exclusivity you can only uh, have sexual uh, contacts with one person and probably a family relationship but this has been uh, redefined a lot uh, since uh, 
you know, um, divorces became a thing. So, so all these re- uh, exclusivity are linked to different roles of the of the relationship. Open uh, open relationship will challenge the idea of a sexual exclusivity. Polyamory does challenge the idea of all the different kinds of se- of of, um, of exclusivity, whether it is sexual, emotional, um, friendship, or or any other kinds of of um, of exclusivity that you can that you can find. Right, I see. So then, I guess to some extent, there's a certain kind of person who look who would find this way of living or to find this way of being with their partners or with other people to be very liberating um would you say that there are in our society that uh because i know some people would look at it and think that monogamy is some kind of like traditional ancient ritual that's kind of enslaved society or something or (laughs) or that's pushed people in society to have this traditional way of looking Right. Um, that, is there something wrong with that, or is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, earlier, I answered only the first part of your question because I didn't, uh, I didn't address the promiscuity side of it. Um, right. But we can come back to that later if you'd like. If you want to go into marriage, we can do that as well. Uh, but sure. Indeed, historically, historically, marriage is uh, a certain form of enslavement if you don't like it but also but also and most mostly uh it's it's um like a cooperative relationship it's a cooperative relationship yeah it is in order to protect your assets basically so so it was invented and it was only for the higher society at first but it was uh, it's a concept that has been invented not for any kind of religious uh, uh purpose whatsoever it was invented in order for the offspring of one woman to be uh, linkable to the person that will own them, and so that this person, generally a man in most of societies uh, around the world, will then be able to give their worldly possess- possessions to that offspring, uh, while knowing okay. that this is linked to his biology. So this this form of of um, uh, I don't know how to say that, like giving 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 uh, one's own possessions. Um, away and this, right, inheritance this, inheritance inheritance thank you yeah inheritance is inheritance was the main the main reason that marriage uh were monogamous for women because they oftentimes were not for men but so 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 there okay. is definitely this in the history of marriage uh is that still true i don't know do we have the the some lingering lingering societal effects of a very long tradition of doing that we definitely do uh is that something that is inherently bad i don't think it is uh and and a lot of people are very happy continuing the way society have been doing marriages in the west for what but so to what extent do you think that there are a lot of people who because they don't know about polyamory or because there's a lot of social pressure to be monogamous to get married and have children and kind of follow in that path how many people or to what extent do you think people might just be like trying to make something like monogamy work for them when they might be polyamorous. Well, uh, if if you wonder if you're on the shocking the shocking uh, uh, quote here, I think everybody's polyamorous. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I think everyone is polyamorous in my definition of it, which is which is ethical non-monogamy. Uh, and then there is uh, repressed polyamorous, and then there is. There is uh, acted polyamory and then thought uh, uh, polyamory, but everyone has the capability to 
be non-exclusive in a sentimental uh, sentimental way as as well. As so a, why don't they do that then? Why don't well, people do that? Or why do we frown upon that as a society? Like why are people who, I mean, <laughs> not necessarily polyamory, but like it seems like people who, most parents want their kids to marry someone and have kids. So um, <laughs> yeah, what is our societal problem with with uh, wow. with the other way of being? Damn, that's a huge question, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, let's but, get into okay. it, man. Let's get oh, into okay. it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so uh, what do people continue doing what their forefathers have done before them? Um, right. th- there is there is a lot of uh, a lot of psychology research on that. Uh, people like to be normal. People, uh, we are social animals, and we want to belong to a group. And as long as there is no group, uh, as the the group for who we are don't exist. We have a strong pull to belong to a different group uh, that mm-hmm. already do. So, so a lot of people just want to do and want their kids to do the things that they've done so far because because they've done it. That's probably the best decision. That's confirmation bias. But also, like people want to continue the things that they've been doing because that they thing that they've been doing. That's called social inertia, and. And that that is that is just how human works, I guess. Um, but but do you not think that there's some kind of um, as with many things, right? Like that right. there might be some kind of ancient wisdom in this kind of way of doing things. That you know, people, yeah, maybe it was originally invented in order to keep people's assets inside the family, but then that there was discovered to be some kind of utility to it, which is why it's been around for so long and why so many different cultures with different histories have some form of pair bonding. Right. So it's interesting here to point out that a lot of different cultures around the world have also polyamorous bonding uh, forms of of, uh, of relationships. Uh, it exists yeah. in Nepal, it exists in China, it exists uh, in, in um, South America and North America, um, uh, first first uh, cultures uh, so so these form of of uh, bonding do happen and are part of our our uh, cultural baggage as um, as a species around the world i see um, but um, not dying is a prime virtue uh, it's a prime virtue in all culture around the world and so things that allow you to to uh, be a little bit more stable a little bit more safe uh, and a little bit, uh, and, and to continue to continue grow your wealth, usually are things that are encouraged. Uh, and also, like, and and when you when you are in in the West, then giving your inheritance to your kid is very important. And because it's very important, it becomes uh, mixed with religion. And because it becomes uh, part of religion, that it is enforced on everyone. And because it is enforced on everyone, and everybody just. Are raised into that people think it's normal, and then the West takes culturally a huge disproportionate size in in the whole culture of the world, and, and then this form of of marriage and relationship uh, just spreads uh, like like most cultures uh, that they spread because the, the the highest and most strong and stronger strongest um, emissive culture will just be copied and and or impose their will around so right so in some in some sense it's kind of like a survival mechanism then you think that um yeah that we in a sort of survival society where we depend on not only on just like you know food and communities that help and gather around each other to keep each other safe in the same sense that we have these monogamous relationships that 
are a part of the survival society that somehow helped us to live longer and provide more for our kids so that they could live longer. Um, And that now that we have this sort of post survival society where, you know, we have abundance of food and we have abundance of opportunities and we're not as likely to. Right. And, and exactly physical security as well. Like we're not constantly at war that we can now, um, we can now to some extent relax those yeah uh requirements i guess yeah yeah exactly yeah so so i think pairing of two people for a very long time was a safe bet because the man had a role in protecting his family the woman had a protector for the family uh and and you were able to accumulate wealth uh through generations by doing this uh and so that was that was very very pertinent to do that before but now that we are in post-survival society as you put it so well um and and that and that uh, we have a little bit more uh, time and emotional understanding and security and, and uh, let's say healthy ways to talk, understand, decrypt, and 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 uh, and and just share about our feelings and the way the, to do things closer to the way we want things to be. Uh, then I think mm-hmm. polyamory uh, will will be continuing getting uh, getting uh, traction like it has for the last. So I guess my next question would be about how do children factor in to polyamorous relationships? Because I, for one, know that at some point I want to be a father. And to understand, like, if you look at any kinds of statistics about society and about culture, that having a two-parent family gives you the best chance at having, you know, a good life, that that, um, having both parents in a loving relationship um, helps children to do better at school. It helps them to have more stable relationships in their own lives. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, sort of at least prima facie uh, benefits to having a stable monogamous relationship for children, which is, I guess, one of the reasons why people do it. So um, what um, are polyamorous people do about having children? Okay, okay. So, so that, that's a long question that, that puts a lot of little details that I have to react to. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I kind of, I kind of put a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff into one question. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. one question. It's like all the questions. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll try, I'll try to untangle that again. Uh, so, so I think you say one thing strongly, which is that a monogamous uh, relationship is the best way to have a fulfilling life. Let's say to simplify it, right? Um, and right. I think this is really, really badly worded and, and i'm sorry for that but <laughs> but, but first, okay uh, first uh, i think a lot of uh, a lot of the those relationship between between the nature of your family and and what you become as an adult uh have been have been done and what they prove is that a stable loving environment is very uh, necessary for the child and so if you mm-hmm. have a dysfunctional monogamous uh, family that will absolutely not be good for your life uh whether right, it is one man and one woman they don't li- like each other they uh, hate on each other they hate on you that's a stable monogamous uh, couple that that raised you but it will absolutely not help you i mean i would i would uh, separate those two things like having right, having a, right, but- a loving family that you know acts as as uh you know, protectors and guardians yes. is, uh, is I would separate that from having like an abusive, uh, you know, father or mother. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sorry if I, if I, uh, if I, uh, give you, give you no, the no, go on. That, I, Seriously, that, I that I'm thinking that this was what you intended by saying, I think it's not, no, the phrasing, the phrasing yeah. implies this. And so it's not having a monogamous relationship, a monogamous couple of raising the kid that helps uh, the kid 
being uh, being healthy is having a stable loving relationship between the right. parents and between the parents and the kid and so uh right. this is very important and we we see uh we see uh, recently uh, because a lot of uh, same gender uh, monogamous relationship uh, gave a lot of very healthy and happy kids uh, because the relationship is happy uh, is is healthy and then the relationship with the kid is healthy and so it becomes a healthy kid uh, and so the the gender of the of the partners here have been have been uh, challenged a little bit but also uh, it's the same thing for the few the few uh, monogamous relationship that uh, not poly- polyamorous or ethical non uh, ethically non monogamous relationships that we know. Uh, as long as the relationship is healthy and the relationship with the kid is loving, then the kid raises up to be an amazing person or a shitty person. Some people just are shitty. <laughs> but so what you're saying though, it seems like it's that there's no, there isn't a difference, or there sh- there shouldn't um, be a difference between people who are in um, polyamorous or. Uh, how you call it like an ethical non-monogamous relationships if they are both if they are loving and caring for their children right i I will i will simplify all this extremely by saying that what matters is the relationship no matter what is the modifier before the, the 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 word relationship loving relationship is the only thing that matters so if right. you have a single loving parent that have a loving relationship with this kid it's going to be an amazing kid maybe uh, uh, that's a that's a, a big workload on the parent but it's going to be an amazing kid that is loved uh if if you have loving gay parents that have a, a loving relationship with that uh child then it's going to be a, a nice relationship you know and it doesn't matter how right and as far as i'm as far as i'm aware like any um from from what basically just from what i've read it seems like um uh both homosexual and heterosexual couples have uh, very similar outcomes in in terms like if they have a good relationship if they don't get divorced if they care for their kids then right. then there isn't very much difference between the yeah. outcomes for the kids yeah as but, far as we know but 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 we can yeah, yeah that that's true but 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 we can also uh take the conversation a little bit further by saying uh yes but if you have two fathers then who's gonna show you how to be a, a woman if you if you have a, a, a child that is a that is a woman uh and and then um then then comes the the concept of not only like biological biological parenting but also phi- philosophical parenting and 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 gender modeling and and th- those kind of different forms of uh of education and support that the child will receive and so in our society and i'm and i'm quoting here the generally west society uh in in our society um we usually outsource a lot of our kid uh, education so it's going to be mm. outsourced to teachers for for what is the, uh, for for the education and the the knowledge parenting if you'd like uh and it's going to okay. be outsourced to maybe the the nanny for some some families uh, uh caring side of the of the of the parenting and okay so are, like, so like people are learning different Sorry, people are learning different things from different parts of their different members of their community. That they're not just going to their parents for everything. Yeah, and I think the word community here is key. So, uh, in in 
olden times, a child was not raised only by their fathers and, and their parents, but by the, uh, the, 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 the village and, the, and the, the, the clan and the people around that child. And so you will Right, have... there's, an old, there's an old saying, right? That, that it takes a village to raise a child? Exactly, exactly. It takes a village to raise a child. And, and this is a, a clanic family f- uh, type that I think is very close to what uh, polyamorous and ethical non-monogamous uh, stable loving relationships uh, become to the to the child. The child will then have multiple examples of very different loving adults in order to form, create, challenge, and 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 foster their own their own identity. And I think uh-huh. that's a very healthy thing to have. And it's that's not super even interesting. That, thank you. <laughs> that that's not even getting into <laughs> the, the, the the financial security that this child will have by having like two, three, four uh, different adult income into into their household. If if they if they are all if all those partners are nesting partners, that is. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about because it's really interesting that it kind of sounds a lot like. Um, maybe something that you might have heard in like ancient Greece, like an Epictetus kind of you know community brotherhood and and uh, everyone coming together. Um, right. The the question is whether it whether it it works in a modern society and how people can um, I don't know because even having this conversation that I'm learning a lot of new things and it's. You know, I'm reasonably open-minded, I think, to to new ideas, but it's difficult to explain it and for me to try and piece it together. So mm-hmm. then as a society at whole who's kind of been raised on this idea that, you know, uh, you should get married, you should, you know, commit yourself to one person, that those people can see that whether or not there's some kind of benefit to having a sort of a group or more communal way of looking at loving relationships everything that is not normal will will uh, come as a challenge or come as difficult for people that are within that norm that is just a, a general truth of human psyche you know like right. things that are not normal are felt as challenging and potentially dangerous uh, but but if you go a little bit further than that uh, if you go a little bit further then clinic and, and multiple people education are the norm of of uh, any childhood any childhood uh, it's not it's mm-hmm. not an isolated thing it's not it's not a marginal thing it's just the, that when you couple this with a, a, a little bit more liberal understanding of what are relationships and 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 uh, the exclusivity of sex if you'd like uh, but also of the strength with which you give importance to love be, uh, different forms of love different uh, between different people but but when mm. you when you see any child and I, I'm guessing we can take your your um, example here you probably had two parents and i'm guessing statistically that they were both uh, of different genders and um y- you did you have an uncle yeah i've got right. uncles and aunts uncle aunts and prob- maybe some very close friends from the family that also taught you a lot of important lessons and right and maybe you had i don't know like a math teacher that you really really liked and that and that taught you how to love science and how to love curiosity. And maybe you have uh, you, you had some some uh, older some older 
not exactly brother, but maybe a cousin that was that was a little bit older and that you were looking up to, and that that's the kind of young man that I want to become. That the, all those thoughts were actually all the person that influenced you to become the person you became. And so, mm-hmm. uh, having those person in different forms of relationship together do not change the fact that they are individually uh, impacting and 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 yeah, helping you to 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 grow uh, into into the way that you will see fit. Right, from, that's from really interesting, and that's really that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Like, it's not like the parents are the only important relationship in the in the child's life and they're actually having many more people and and that actually the norm is to have many more people from uncles and cousins and and teachers and people like your friends of your parents that actually influence you in a big way and and improve your life so i i i can i can see that and actually Um, the the only norm that is unique like this is how to love a sexual partner And, and in our society in our monogamous mainly monogamous society uh the only the only unique form of relationship that we can see around us is how to love someone uh, in a in a physical and romantic way and so you have generally only one example of what love should look like which is which is your parents uh, a mother and a father but but then you need to to learn outside of your safe group different forms of loving and and and, and i think that having Having available in your safe safe zone a uh, different form of relating to one another in healthy, loving, caring, and growth-inducing ways uh, is is a very very healthy thing for an individual uh, to to be able to to notice and to learn from a young age the continuity and diversity in love. That's a really good message, and I think that's an awesome place to to end this podcast. And I want to thank you so much for coming on to talk about this really interesting and complicated topic and i hope this podcast really helps a lot of people to understand this more it's been a pleasure to talk about that with you and uh, thank you very much for your question and and um, and attention on your platform